Welcome to episode 258 of the Whatnots Review Show. My name is Kyle Springer, and I am joined by Melissa Wilkinson. Melissa, how are you Hello. on this weekend? It's Father's Day I'm, weekend. It's Pride Month. It it's is. Juneteenth. There's all sorts of stuff happening. Yeah, happenin'. lots of stuff's happening. Indeed. It's a busy What's time. You? Yeah. Uh, I just run a lot of errands. <laughs> I run a lot of errands. I go to a lot of movies. Do what you got to do, right? That's <laughs> just getting getting stuff done. Uh, what was the, what, what's the what's the next m- movie for you to go see? What's that? What's the next one that you're checking out this weekend? Uh, I checked out The Flash and then I saw a, a showing of There Will Be Blood, which was ah. nice to get to see in a theater because I missed that when I was like 17 when it first came out. Next weekend, I think, is Past Lives and Asteroid City. Ooh, yeah, Asteroid City. I'm excited about that one. Um, I went to the Alamo Draft House, and it's they replaced every poster slot with just Asteroid City. That's awesome. I, I I'm still trying to get to the the new Disney and Pixar. Maybe haven't made plans yet to mm-hmm. go do that, but that's also one on on my list that I would like to check out. Um, but yeah, this this weekend has been good. I ha- can't say I've really done too much. I set some new things up here in OBS. That's uh, the like intro vi- video that we do at the start of our things that played right, 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 right at the start that was in the stream, uh, which is which is neat. So we'll, we're, we're, we're t- testing it out to see how it, it, it works and stuff like that. But that's what I've been up to. Um, but you guys did not know here on the whatnots review show each week we have a different story to talk about could be a movie a tv show anime manga comic book all sorts of stuff we read it and watch it and come back here and talk about it uh this week on the show we're here to talk about the watermelon woman uh it's it, it is it's it's interesting because we came to this movie Based on a recommendation from a character in season two of Yellow Jackets. <laughs> yeah, a fictional person recommended this to us. Uh, yeah. We we both really enjoy. We love the Yellow Jackets. We we love them. Uh, we watched season two and season two involves a, uh, a a queer woman who does run a VHS only rental store in modern times. Full of 90s nostalgia and, and some some queer focused films. And I thought it would be fun as uh, as that season of that show had just ended. And it also happened to end right in time for Pride Month. I'm like, let's yeah. find three of those movies that are highlighted in her video store. And let's pick one of those three for a topic this week. And we went with the one that in dialogue, she personally recommends to a customer in one scene in the show, which is the Watermelon Woman. Yeah. Well, I think originally the idea was like, let's pick three of the queer centric movies for Pride Month that are in there. And I I looked on Reddit, all that stuff to be like, what are the movies highlighted in Van's shop in Yellow Jacket season two? Uh, and it was not as qu- queer as hmm. we were expecting. Um, it, but like front and center was the watermelon woman. There is like a small snippet of a scene where she like personally recommends the, the, this one to someone else in the shop um and so i put that one on my list of things to pitch and then i ended up finding a couple of other just like queer centric movies from the 90s 
to put on on that list. But because the original idea was like, what about the ones from Van Shop? This is the one we went with here. So we yeah. got to watch the watermelon woman, um, which is a movie I had never heard of before uh, this. I think on partly being pasty McPale white guy, partly growing up thinking I'm sh- I'm sh- I'm straight right just like it did, never even came onto my radar so this was an interesting watch for me for sure and I'm I'm excited to talk about it um yeah I knew this movie by name I think I had scrolled past it in in streaming platforms before and I never knew what it was I never knew what the yeah. title referred to so I was happy to answer that Small mystery of my life. What is the watermelon woman? Which is the central question of the movie itself. Who was she? Yeah, exactly. I also want to mention, I think another reason why I had this name in my head, when I Googled this movie to learn a little bit more about it, uh, it is coming to the Criterion Collection in a couple weeks. Yeah. Available July 11th of this year. I probably read it in like a Criterion newsletter. Uh, a very nice collection. Of the watermelon woman. I'm really digging this cover art. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it, it's when when did this come out? It's 1996. So it's it's almost mm. about to have its like 30 year anniversary. Um, and I, I think for its 20th, they did like a, a restoration of the yeah. film. Um, just just a l- little bit of uh, background on the f- film here. Uh, it was directed and written uh, by Cheryl Donier. Uh, she is also the main character in the film. Um, it is the first feature film directed by a black lesbian and is considered a landmark in new queer cinema. I'm just writing straight off the Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. Um, the in, in 2021, the film was selected for p- preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress for being culturally, historically and aesthetically significant. Um, so, yeah, we were excited to dive into this one for sure. Um, and it, yeah, the whole the whole plot is uh, Cheryl is has decided to make a video project. I don't remember. Was she still in school? Is is she no. doing it as like a school thing? No, just okay. just a um, personal project. She aspires to be a filmmaker. Yeah. And and she she takes up this project where she is trying to figure out who the watermelon woman is. She saw this movie from like the 1930s. And there was an actress in there, a black woman who was playing one of those stereotypical mammy roles. Uh, and just something about her presence on screen really spoke to 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 her. Um, and that was the thing is she was really kind of only credited as the watermelon woman. Uh, and so she was like, this is it. This is my movie. I need to investigate who she is and find out about her life. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, she ends up finding some some info on on who she, she is and what her her life was like uh, and then makes this small like document. Terry film it, like I, I say that hesitantly because this film does a weird like meta uh, yeah. thing where where 
parts of it are filmed on like a handy cam piano thing little cam quarter that you would see in the 90s and then there are certain scenes that have that much more like oh no this is a movie that you are watching here and it kind of goes back and forth between Mm -hmm. those two um and so it's it's this weird kind of like is is the movie that I'm watching the movie that Cheryl, the character made? Yeah. Or is this the the one that Cheryl, the, the director and writer of of this made? Um, so it's an it's an interesting combination there that I really liked and was not expecting at all. I, I mm-hmm. thought this was mostly going to be like her in the video store uh, and j- j- like more so kind of a slice of life uh like in the store more like clerks uh if if i'm being honest which just kind of reminded me of in those small bits um uh, that that uh were, were in the video store store um but yeah i i had a blast with this yeah this is fun it's it's fairly breezy it's a it's very conversational very casual and feels very grounded and personal i did really appreciate that i got to have a look into somebody's life uh at a specific time in a specific place that i didn't know very much about yes yeah um yeah i mean same here with me like i i don't know that experience and I think here on the review show, I'm always like looking for new genres we haven't really covered mm-hmm. or every once in a while trying to be like, here's some movies. Maybe we could cover that is like film education 101. And I think I think we kind of stumbled in, in into yeah. one here and I'm super ex- excited that we did. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy, enjoyed this a lot. Uh, I'm tr- trying to think of any other kind of like spoiler free stuff that I want to say about this. Do you have any other kind of thoughts that you want to add on? I just want to tell the audience members that it is a very short film. It's like 86 minutes long. Uh, I watched it through Showtime on Paramount Plus, And in that. Uh, transfer it included the restoration credits at the beginning of the movie which I appreciated Uh, Mm -hmm. I think this is also on Showtime through Hulu or Showtime directly and it might have also been on yeah yeah might have also been on Max Uh, we're early enough in the month you know by the time this releases you've got like another like 10 days of Pride Month so like go to the 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 Pride section of your streaming platform look around go to your local library yeah you there's probably a lot of ways you can find to watch the watermelon woman. And it is a, a, a nice watch. I, I am happy. I saw this as, as a wise art Mark once said, having fun's not hard when you've got a library card. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, yeah. So I say, uh, we take a quick break for housekeeping. Uh, and then when we come back, we can dive into this movie and start discussing it a little bit more in depth. Uh, so we will be right back. Here at The Whatnots, we make multiple different shows, and a lot of hard work goes into making them, so we would love it if you check them all out. If you enjoy our shows, patreon.com slash the whatnots is the best place to show your support. 
For just a dollar a month, you can get early access to episodes and at our $3 tier, a Patreon-exclusive podcast, The Pilots Club. You can even get a shout out and thank you on most of our shows at the $5 tier. And if you're one of our patrons already, thank you so much. It means the world to us. You can find out more information on our website, thewhatnots.com, as well as your favorite podcasting platform of choice. When you type in The Whatnots, all of our shows will pop up right there. Just don't forget to give us a nice rating and review if you like the shows. You can also find us on YouTube and Twitch for video versions of the shows, trailer reactions, and live streams. And lastly, we have merch. If you want to grab yourself a shirt or a hoodie or a mug or something else, head over to thewhatnots.com store to pick up some merch today. All right, we are back. Big shout out to all of our Patreon supporters. We love you a lot. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. Um, cool things that we've been up to. Uh, if, if you are at the $3 tier on Patreon, you get access to the Pilots Club. This month, we got to talk about the pilot of Cheers. Went all the way back to that show. Had a good time talking about that one. It holds up a lot more than I was expecting. Uh, I had it never seen it before, so I really didn't know what to expect but i was like wow i'm i'm into this this is good uh and then coming up this next month on the pilots club we are checking out uh the pilot of a netflix show called cable girls it's a spanish show uh it's a period piece set i i I keep forgetting if it's in like world war ii or like right around that area um but it's it's about these women that go to work for a telecommunications company. They're working the like operator switch boards uh, there and they they all have their own different reasons for being there. Uh, and I, I keep saying one might be a single mom. One might be, be, be a spy. Who knows? We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see here. Um. The two kinds of women. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so keep an eye out for that stuff. Um, right here on the review show last week, we got to talk about Clone High season one, the animated series that uh, was on MTV back in the day, uh, c- created by Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Who you guys might know f- f- from uh being the creators of Into and Across the Spider Verse. Uh, so we went back and and, and checked out a, a cartoon they had made in the early 2000s, uh, which also has a a brand new like re- revival, like kind of season yeah. two slash revival of that show happening right now on HBO Max, just mm-hmm. Max. Um, so that was interesting to go check out. Uh, I mentioned across the Spider-Verse. We have a big spoiler cast on that. If you're interested, uh, we also just went to go see The Flash uh, and so we have a spoiler cast on that that will be out uh, by time this goes public for everyone. Um, but yeah, uh, over on the captain's log, last but not least, um, we we got to have a draft, a fantasy draft of dads in honor mm. of Father's Day. Um, we 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 got to choose not not new dads to replace the one we had but like we built our team of these would all be good dads yes uh, these we, are we our additional bonus dads picks. yeah we had uh, a lot of and, and they all have that they all have to dad together along with your own <laughs> original dad 
So we're forming exactly. a team of six dads each. The super dad team. It was a mm. lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, that's a bunch of the stuff that we've been up to here at the Whatnots. Uh, so yeah, without further ado, I say we get into spoilers on the Watermelon Woman. Bam, here we are. Um, spoilers for the Watermelon Woman. Melissa, where do you want to start with this? I, I, f- I feel like there's so many interesting places to start. So I, I made a comparison. Here's where we'll start at, at the start of this when I was explaining things. And I compared it to Clerks. And I mm. feel even mentioning that almost right off the bat, this film and Clerks are also very different films. Right. Like almost <laughs> like it's it's a weird yeah. comparison to make, but at, like it's all it was one of the t- t- touchstones I had, and I'm not even a, like a huge Kevin Smith fan, but it's the idea that like they're they're clerks in a store. That's yeah, kind of the o- only thing about yeah. that. Like I don't I don't want to be like it's it's c- clerks for for lesbians. It's not it's not that. <laughs> It's yeah, really it, not. You know, it just it just is another uh, independent movie from the '90s about people right. in a, a service position. I I understand the comparison point. Yes. Yeah. Um. But like on on one hand, I I really enjoyed those scenes where it it did feel a little bit more like that because again, it was a different perspective. It was it was a different version of kind of that same thing, right? Um. Yeah, in in clerks, obviously, it's like the two hyper straight uh, white guys. And it's like, am I 36? No, you were 30, 37. You sucked 37 dicks before mine. They they have that whole conversation in clerks. It is like the the antithesis of this film here, which in in an interesting way, I I almost want to say does not focus on the sexuality in this film, but it absolutely does. I think mm. in a much more nuanced way. Um, right. Cause the, the, the whole, the whole pr- premise of, of this, she, she has a project. She has a mm. goal, 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 goal to complete where clerks doesn't really, they just show up and talk mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. kind of it. Um, and and so yeah, their 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 conversations go into some weird places. Um, but in the watermelon woman, they there is obviously a a connection, like right away when Cheryl is putting the tapes uh, back up, and I don't remember the other woman's name. I'm always terrible Tamara. with names here. Tamara, Tamara no, her coworker, uh, or not the coworker, the... the one she ends up dating, Diana. Diana, yes. Um, when Diana is there, like there's very immediately, like this this physical attraction, um, right there, and obviously they end up having sex. Um, but like I, I felt it's, and again, like I don't necessarily want to put down clerks, but clerks in a weird way compared to this feels like childish in a way that mm-hmm. like sexuality is dealt with in that whereas this is a much more mature take on that i feel like so it, it's it's almost night and day i feel weird comparing those two films 
it's just yeah (laughs) that's that's that was like one of the touchstones that was like oh so this is kind of (laughs) like oh no it's not (laughs) it's it's, you have the reference points that you have and that's one of the goals of the show is to expand our horizons of reference points yeah to to learn about new things and in movies we've never heard of yeah yeah um i'm i'm glad we got to watch this absolutely this was yeah fun i i I feel very out of my depth talking about it as a a white straight woman who doesn't know a lot about black history or queer history i've never been to philadelphia (laughs) so there's a lot of things i'm there What did you enjoy in Philadelphia? Philly. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's a great city to walk around in. I was there for like a fourth of nice. July party. Uh, I bet they do I it think, up good. Oh, they did. I, I got to see it was uh, like John Legend was there. The Roots were were there performing. I mean, Philly staples, right? Um, cool. They they were there. It was a free concert just out in the park. Nice. Um, I've been to the art museum with that that has the big old Rocky statue. Which All they've, right. They've moved the statue now. I think it's somewhere else. It's not at the top of the steps. It's like off on the side now. Mm. I think, which I feel like kind of defeats the purpose. But whatever. Well, they um, to be him. You know, then right, when you yes. take your photo, you don't look diminished next to a giant <laughs> statue of Sylvester Stallone. This is there to make you feel better. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I, 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 th- I think they have great food. Uh, I mean, there's there's always the kind of generic things you can say, like, go get the cheese sticks. Go get one from the authentic. Like, go Love a cheese find steak. someone who lives there and, and is like, where's the best ch- cheese steak there? Because just go to any kind of joe schmo shop it might not be the best um but yeah it's it's fun it's it's a good i liked it there a lot um nice that was i, I, I and think that, that is, was one of the uh places i applied to for college one oh. of the art schools up there um i know i did I definitely applied to pittsburgh which is a ways away um but still yeah that is something I liked about this movie that it had a specific location it was tied to. We spend a lot of time uh, around Philadelphia. There are uh, black theaters that existed in like the 20s and 30s and 40s in Philadelphia that are major landmarks that the Cheryl discovers and goes and tries to film. Uh, yeah. Even just hearing the Philadelphia accent and saying watermelon woman is nice. It was interesting before we got on this podcast, I watched a little interview of Cheryl to figure out how to say her last name. Um, I was like, I, I, I wasn't sure if it was doing like, is that like, how do you pronounce that? Why in the end of her name? And it's but she was also talking about the location and like some of her decisions in making the film um and she was talking about uh just the 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 rich history that philly has and that's why it was such an interesting place to film there that it was a destination for black people for for slaves that had just been freed to 
go up no 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 north like this was a a hot spot um for them to go and that the city had done a pretty good job of uh like memorializing that history to be like hey this house here was part of the underground railroad or this house here belonged to a a famous black person who was important in the community um and I, I think that is partly why they wanted to set the movie there. I don't know if Cheryl was necessarily from there or not, um, but th- that is why they, they, they chose that location, that rich history and, and connection that I think this film also kind of mirrors, right? She is trying to dig into the history of uh, black cinema, of, of this particular act. Tris, and then I think also kind of discovering her own identity in this f- 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 film here and kind of seeing it mirrored in the watermelon woman, uh, who then she f- f- finds out her name as Faye Richardson. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like she she's trying to discover who this person is and ends up finding someone she believes is also a queer woman who was also mm-hmm. a at, at least bisexual. Um, but yeah, I, and I, I think that is such an interesting journey. Um, and then to at, at the end of, of the film, not not recontextualize it, but just to kind of reaffirm that, like, mm. this is a work of fiction. Like, it is not like the watermelon is not a real person. Um, but it, it there's a quote i i'm gonna paraphrase it uh it, just like the, some some sometimes you have to make up your own hi- history um and i found that quote fascinating did did did, did you have th- thoughts on on that quote did that stick w- with you like it, it did with me I'll say that when you first read me the description of this movie, when you were pitching it to me last week, I wasn't sure how much of this was based in fact. I didn't know if the watermelon woman was a a real historical figure or at least like very closely based on a real historical figure. Uh, So as the movie goes on, you do realize it is a work of fiction. and yeah, and then, and then at the end, there is the full disclaimer. Like, this is a work of, of fiction. I, I needed to create this, this history for the story. And the archival, uh, the, the archival material that was created originally for this movie is really impressive. It's awesome. Like, the, yeah. the old movies from the 30s and 40s, the old photographs and home videos you know, old home film reels and things like that. Like, yeah. I, I didn't realize it. how much how much work really went into making this movie in terms of research and in terms of recreating a research within the movie for a fictional subject. Yeah. Like that journey the film goes on is really fascinating. It really is. It's, it's almost deceptive in that, that Mm -hmm. way, not, not in like a malicious way but yeah like you can see the like oh okay the whole movie is in four three right uh this was way back before like all of our movies were in widescreen um 
and and then you have the hand cam footage right and it's just like oh okay yeah this really is this, like homemade cheap indie film and yeah you don't necessarily really think about all of these like older films and photographs that they're recreating to put in this film or this some of them might be actual real stuff yeah. that they could incorporate and work around and make this fiction um with here but just the, the fact that there are some of these that yeah absolutely is is just like they they had to they had to like remake it, this thing and that that that's so cool um they, they had some good stuff there but i i, I think that quote at the end really stood out to me just in 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 terms of this kind of not not coming of age but this journey of self-discovery um Mm -hmm. like like we said at the start this was the first feature film made by a black lesbian woman um and i don't know if i could name i mean I can't name any other one uh, anyways, but one of su- such historical significance, I I think it to put put it up there on on that echelon. I don't know if I could name another one, and so as a creative, I'm wondering if Cheryl thought the same thing and was like, "Hey, where do I find the movies made by someone like me? What wh- mm-hmm. who, who's documented that that history of of all that and just maybe not finding it?" Um Yeah. And so yeah, makes this work of art, this work of fiction that is like, how can I memorialize both all of the stuff we have done, the stuff that has gone unnoticed or left out of most history books while also making something brand new right um and she came up with this and i think it was really good (laughs) yeah i i do like that thought process of i want to tell a story that is about the importance of documenting history and legacy but if we have a problem in the past with proper documentation of history i might have to invent a fictional person and the story is about the documentation of this fictional history but it is a it is a lovely story and i the tone of this movie is really unique it's about there are so many serious angles at which you can approach this movie but you can have like it's just a a serious academic like critical discussion of the of the themes and motifs in it but it also feels just like light it's light it's funny there's all these sort of non sequiturs and vignettes and she goes on like she gets dragged on like an awkward like blind double date with like her friend and her friend's girlfriend (laughs) and that girlfriend's friend who came in from out of town like there's laughs in it like whatever you want to come to this movie for it has that in it yeah yeah there's a like in in the life of Faye Richardson there is this kind of mystery and melancholy uh and and just kind of looming sadness that that she was someone that was kind of forgotten uh and Mm -hmm. and the people that do recognize her or know her either are so far 
distance or that there, there was like i don't remember if it was like her her sister or her cousin that she ended up interviewing the one they went to her house and she was like not when they suggested that, that was she was a lesbian she was like absolutely not get out of my house uh, uh, Cheryl believed that Faye had a relationship with this white female director the who made the films, whose name was Martha right? Page. Yes. And yeah. yeah, and they visit Martha Page's sister, who like absolutely not. Like it, it has no belief that her sister, you know, was ever interested in women. Right. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, you have the like home movie aspect where uh Tamara is usually the one filming uh, all, mm. all of this stuff. And and every once in a while, you'll hear her from behind the camera just chime in and make a, a, a comment. <laughs> and she's always like real sarcastic, real like, well, why are we even filming this here? Just like has no <laughs> idea. Like, what do you even do? What is this project? Like, why do you need to film the, sh- the streets here as mm-hmm. we're driving mm-hmm. through the, 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 sh- the streets of Haley here? There's all that, that stuff. Um, I will say Tamara has what I think is the funniest line in the film, the funniest inter- interaction it's when they go to that one guy's house that has all of the like the the he has like all of this the the, the movie posters and just any kind of d- documents or film strips of blacks hit his cinema he's a b- bit of a collector kind of an oddball uh and and i i think the the tamest way to but it is that he he is kind of overtly hitting on these two women just like very excited that like oh there's women in my house <laughs> like oh my god <laughs> um and and just in the the awkward person that he is he makes a comment when they ask about this this director like uh well if you don't know the watermelon woman what about martha page she was a white director uh she was a woman uh and he he kind of has like woman um well you know i'm i'm not the greatest with women and then Tamara chimes in well goes <laughs> she said something like uh well <laughs> well look at you of course you aren't <laughs> he, yeah, he just dead pants pe- 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 like looks at at her like are you serious right now <laughs> that look is so funny <laughs> and i i i, I was <laughs> reading that laughing so hard it's very funny <laughs> i I thought that man might have been gay. I, I can't point to the specific textual thing that right. indicated that to me. Uh, but I thought that's what that was. That that was ironic. Like her calling out as a queer person. I see you were I also like you a, a queer person. Ways. Yeah. Because he, like he 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 almost does have a layer of like flamboyancy to him in mm. some of the things he does in some of the things he's says but it's not so overt that it's like okay yeah like i can tell that you're probably a gay man Mm -hmm. here um but yeah just like i think also in his awkwardness and some of the comments he makes towards cheryl and tamra it is almost like he's hitting on them like like they're they're almost kind of uncomfortable like in his presence um and it's it's just like it's i i I don't know exactly which way to read that or or how to 
read that. Um, mm-hmm. But either, either way, it was just really funny that that's just without <laughs> that skipping a, a beat, just like, yes. look at you. Of course you are. <laughs> just so yeah, mad. Just, just so the look on that mad. actor's face is incredible. Oh another another joke I really liked is in this this double date that I mentioned earlier. They go out to a karaoke bar, uh, and it's Tamara's girlfriend's friend who they're mm-hmm. trying to set Cheryl up with because Tamara's like Cheryl, you've been single for too long. You've been obsessed with this project. You got to get out there. Here's Yvette. Yvette's nice, uh, and they talk about how. There was a rumor at the school that Yvette went to that Spike Lee was going to come there and possibly audition people for a new movie. So she was trying to show off in case him or his casting directors were there. And she got up in front of the school and she sang this song. And so she gets up in front of the the karaoke bar and sings, I think, Love Loving You is Easy Because You're Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Was that it? But there's all this lead up. <laughs> Right. Which is like a, a high light song to begin with. But there's all this talk about how she's a terrible singer. And she gets up there and she is like, the high, the softest, just meek little mousy voice, which is <laughs> not what the standard bad at singing voice is. You're expecting her to be way too loud, way too brash screechy something like that so to have this bad singing that is the most like light delicate meek thing which is so surprising yes (laughs) i really like that that was a a turn on that joke i i can't believe i've never seen before or since yeah it it (laughs) definitely has some good comedy mixed in mixed in there too um i i i really enjoyed that stuff i i i also I mean, just to go back to the the like different feelings you, you can 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 get. I think the like stopping people on the street and asking them like, "Hey, you guys know who the watermelon woman mm. is?" Um, I I will say, well, some of that didn't play for me as well. Some of it seemed a little more scripted uh, than her just like going out on the street and like randomly asking people. Um, I, I feel like some of it kind of had to be to to kind of help move the plot along and not have literally everyone just be like, who, mm. what, what are you I, talking about? Yeah. Um, but uh, there's there is something I think that they captured in do, 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 doing those segments and those bits is that almost everyone is so excited to just be on. Yeah. Camera. Like yeah. there is this like optimism, this hope, this, 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 like, like, uh, oh, me? Like, you want me to like, hey, hey, like, hi, I'm here. You can ask me the question. Um, and, <laughs> This is also a weird touchstone. Melissa, have you ever seen the TV show Cash Cab? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Never thought I would be ta- talking about Cash Cab on on the review show here. Um, they they do this thing like it's it's a game show. If 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 you guys don't know, it's a it's a trivia game show that happens in this guy's cab in New York, uh, and they have a couple life lines they could do if they don't know the answer to the question. 
one of them is to uh, stop and ask someone on the street. <laughs> yeah. And, and when they stop and ask someone on the street, like there's often someone who's just kind of so excited to be involved. Uh, and and whether they know the answer or not, they're kind of captivated by this idea that there's a game show like happening mm -hmm. inside this cab. Um, and, and so there is just this like, yeah, this this weird, it's not it's not necessarily hope or optimism, but there is this excitement and this joy mm -hmm. that is like in in there. And I think they really, really captured that in those scenes. Um, there is also one scene that is kind of the flip of that, where it's these two women they ask and they just kind of stand there their hip out and just look at each each other like real annoyed just like why is she asking us <laughs> right um, <laughs> which felt like a lot like the um if you guys have seen the goofy movie those two girls on on the front of the bus who are just like yes eh, right um, <laughs> it felt v v very 90s um yes I, I yeah, there's there's I, I think even in some of the smallest details in this movie, there are things that just feel very 90s or are deceptive in how much work actually went into making them mm -hmm. or have all sorts of different kind of themes and layering to them that I, I, I think you can kind of easily skip over if if you're not really looking um, at at it uh so yeah i i man i i really enjoy enjoy enjoyed this i think even heading here and talking a bit about it like i'm finding new things to be like you know what that that scene was yeah good. this was right? <laughs> yeah. yeah it's i am happy that the movie is like an 86 minute long to light story because i think that makes it so uh, digestible like this is so easy for so many different people to like put into their lives I feel like the length of it makes it accessible mm -hmm. and like uh, easier for me to, to to pitch to other people but I do wish it was longer I wish we had a lot more detail in certain aspects like yes. there's storylines that seem to start and not end or suddenly there are conclusions and we missed things in the middle or there's even just little details like at the video store they work at the manager's name is bob and when they get a new hire he's like trainer on the bob system you got to show her the bob system and we never see that in play and i genuinely wanted to know what is the bob system what does that look like <laughs> yeah um <laughs> yeah i mean they they do such a good job of the like video store moments having it, it feel like the independent like going back to clerks right it, it they have the, the stuff in there that feels exactly like that like trying to train someone on the computer and them being like you know i've worked at a video store before like like i know how to do all of the, the, the stuff um just the the sarcasm the 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 tension between the clerks uh working there um, even the like awkward situations of like what videos they are renting or now we yes. know that there is a, a scam uh, that they are running. They will rent 
things off their customer's name without them knowing. And it's a way for them to get the free movies. Uh, and they yeah. end up like renting a a a a porn on uh, <laughs> on Diana's account. And then like she ends up walking up as they are discussing yeah. it. And they're just like, I'm sorry, man, but we don't have uh, like big black something, something. And he's like, but we do have Bald big black, black ball posters. <laughs> <laughs> right. But he's like, but we do have like uh, like big black bald Bob. If you want to check that well out. <laughs> no oh my god mm. <laughs> um but it's interesting you mentioned that because something else that i and my p- p- partner who watched this uh, w- with me um really felt like pr- pretty much right away in this film is it it there, there are it especially certain moments but there are things in this film that felt years ahead of its time um I don't know, like there's certain sitcoms or TV shows. I, I mm-hmm. don't know if I'd really call them sitcoms, but uh, when when I mentioned to my partner that the same woman who was starring it and also was the one that wrote it and directed, she said, oh, like something Issa Rae would, would do. Ah. And I was like, yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, and that was also like at the scene where they first go to the library and they're trying to find stuff and they're kind of in the like the dungeons of the library <laughs> yeah. there, right um and some of the conversations they were having did feel very natural i think them mm-hmm. j- just the, the plot of them going to the library to try and find information on this p- 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 person and they can't really find much and so they go to the c- clerk who's really not helpful like it felt like something you might see in a sitcom uh today uh i Mm. i I don't know why my mind went to it but my mind went to something like broad city um not in in the like comedic aspect um but just the idea that here are two friends living their life they get up to all sorts of stuff but when they need help with a project they always go to their best friend uh and they go on a mission to get together right they need to find info on the watermelon woman and it just felt like something you would see in that or in the show atlanta right you might see Hmm. something like hey we, we need to find out like uh some info on this one creator or this one artist who, who who knows what it it feels it felt very modern and i could to be honest kind of see this as a tv show as as yeah not necessarily them always focusing on the watermelon woman but a tv show about them working at this like 90s video store i know they just did that like block Buster show that apparently didn't do super well um but like i i could see a tv show based on these characters and it would work in a modern day sense and i really enjoyed that um is 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 that a vibe you got at all like what were what were some of the the vibes you were getting off of this could this work in a modern day sense did you feel that like that joy and excitement from people being on camera what stood out (laughs) to you 
uh, in all of that. This, I was thinking about how since this is such a research-focused movie, not like the production of the movie, but literally what the main character in the story is doing, Mm -hmm. have it set in 1996, like there are such limited internet resources like there's a computer at the video store that seems like it's just for logging in customer orders like Mm -hmm. technology doesn't come up very much i don't i was six i don't super remember what the average person's access to technology was like and even if they could get on a computer what was internet searching like what sort of research was out there for you to get if you weren't like Right. A, a grad student who had university connections and like knew how to conduct internet research. I don't know, but it is so uh, sort of lo-fi and analog. Like it's a lot of library books. It's and it's double checking like what's in the reference library. They have to that I have to look at while I'm actually at the library. What are in the other stacks that I can check out and take home? Mm-hmm. Can I just ask people? Can I call my mom? Does she remember seeing this woman in any movies when she was younger? You know, reaching out to like friends and family. Like it's the sort of connective web of doing the legwork of just asking friends of friends is really specific to this time. I did think about how even if this movie was made like three or four years later, it would look different. Mm hmm. And if it was made I today, I think the internet it, would also be a little more pervasive, like in in the film, or would permeate the mm, film a little bit more, like you were yeah, saying. Like, yeah, yeah. And then we would also introduce like d- internet dating into this, also. Like it would add new layers to everything that's going on with these characters. Uh, but if the story took place in modern times. I don't know if it would be as personal of a journey for Cheryl, because if she really wanted to learn about the watermelon woman, you can see her like taking to the Internet, Mm -hmm. making a Twitter hashtag, making a discord server or something like that. And then suddenly she she would draw a community like people would be there to support her, to help her. It would be an easier journey, but it would not narratively serve the same purpose that it does in this movie, where it really is her on her own out there. And she's got people who are helping her, but Tamara isn't always into what she's doing. Uh, You know, when she talks to these people in these interviews, you only see everybody once. Every Mm -hmm. like there are no recurring interviews. There are no recurring characters in in her research sphere who she keeps coming back to yeah and that would Um, feel very different if they did it today and i i kind of like the very personal crusade that is in this movie of like i have to find her nobody else will find her i have to go to the library and get 20 books i have to call 20 people on the phone yeah, it's a, it's an interesting j- j- journey, um, and I I think some some of the comedy in the way like the clerk at the library reacts t- to them, as well as the uh the the situation happening at the clit, the center for lesbian <laughs> information and technology, uh, which is a I great love name. that. That's, that's awesome. That's, I hope that's a that's... real thing. I don't know if it is. I'm not going to Google the clip. 
and the 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 the, the irony of me saying i hope that's a real thing for the clit is is not lost on me <laughs> that's the tone that this movie operates in like it is tackling these serious issues of like there is missing queer history there is missing black history you know there's people who have been like overlooked and marginalized and what are we doing to make amends for that and and make progress for the future but yeah the organization who is working on this uh is an, a, a funny horny acronym name yes yeah, it's great um but uh, like the the way those characters in charge of those institutions are acting i feel like is almost a reflection of just like how finding mm-hmm. information would go or or how finding information on those particular topics would go too. like there was uh when when she's when she's at the clit um like the the clerk there is just dumping things out on the table and she's just like whoa whoa what are you doing like these are like like historical documents and things like you don't like don't treat it with that kind of disrespect mm. Um, Mm -hmm. and and I like, I'm, I don't think that's necessarily just a bit for like a comedy's sake, right? Like, I'm Mm. wondering if that is a reflection on like, if I was to actually go try and find documentation on black lesbians in Hollywood, all that stuff, like how much of that was treated with respect that it has been preserved? So I, I find all of that stuff fascinating and interesting. There's also so. an, an an odd joke there at, at the clit where she's asking the um the the, the researcher at that organization, uh, I'm looking for information about Faye Richards, aka the watermelon woman. Uh, do you have any information about her? Is she perhaps in like the the black library of your organization? And that woman says something about how they received in uh, an endowment from like some certain group, they received certain funding to you know, create like black lesbian history archives, but it's specifically for a black audience. So if they find white people in the photos, they have to cross them out. So weird. <laughs> right. And then by definition of having the the funding from this organization that stipulates this is a black only archive than it is segregated from like the other archives of other people <laughs> they, there's a they lot went very close to having a separate mm. but equal mm. joke in there and i was worried mm. they were mm. gonna do it because they was like they she asked something about the archive and she was no it's separate and then just kind of stops and leaves that hanging and i was just like okay good they didn't do it but yeah um, one one thing that did slightly bug me is that it, it, there's some touch on uh, the, the connection between the sort of stereotypical tie between black people and watermelon. But we don't learn mm-hmm. specifically why in her movies, Faye Richards was ever credited as the watermelon woman. Like why her out of. That's perhaps true. any other black performers at that time yeah. like in the archival footage in the discussions of these these fictional movies like plantation memories that cheryl is watching the watermelons are not seen or discussed 
we also don't see any actual credits of this movie. Like we don't see like a title card plantation memories featuring this person, this person and right. the watermelon woman. Like there's no for it being the title of the movie and the key mystery. I, I wanted to learn more about like, how did that credit arise? Who called her that? Who is the person to write that down in the title cards at the studio? I, I really wanted more information about that. And yeah, and, and, and certainly not to downplay the, the, the missing, the black performer and, and, and crew member credits at that time. But when you watch old movies, there are so many names missing. It's like, here's the director, the main actors, no little supporting players who have like two lines. We credit only like the department head. So it's like this person designed the costumes. End of credits. <laughs> no, yeah. we no, we're not going to tell you individual seamstresses, etc. Like there's there is uh, across the board again, not to downplay like specific specific like uh, race racial prejudice, but like so much in old movies is is missing, and that is truly boggling. And I did like that the story was about addressing that and trying to figure out decades later. If I find some small performer who I really like in an old movie, how do I learn about them? Yeah. What are my resources? Yeah, that's an interesting thing to point out. Um, I mean, I, I, mean I, I, f I feel like it kind of goes without saying the inherent racism of the nickname. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like I, I, I wonder if there's more layers to that. Um, I mean... Even that, the, this is maybe a stretch, but like the act of eating a watermelon might be similar to something else. Uh, sure. Could hint at her being a, a, a lesbian. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know exactly. And I on one one hand, yeah, it bothers me because I want to know more. What was that story? Yes. How did she get that nickname? I feel like that's kind of the premise of the film. Mm -hmm. Um but also, I like the remaining mystery. Like, it, it, she mm -hmm. did not end up focusing on the racism surrounding her life. Or, well, I mean, I mean, she did, did, but not in the way that, like, this is how you got the nickname. She ended mm -hmm. up focusing on her life of, like, okay, so yeah. you got into Hollywood, and, like, what else did you do? Oh, you had a relationship with this director, and that led you to, mm -hmm. uh, like, the these clubs, and then you started to go to these jazz clubs and sing and do all of this stuff. Like, she, she ended up following the life and accomplishments of her rather than, like, the derogatory nicknames mm -hmm. and racism yeah. that, yeah. that stuck with her. And I kind of like that and appreciate that, yes. too. So, yeah. Um, it's like, I want to know who the watermelon woman is. I don't need to know why she was the watermelon woman. Potentially. That yeah. is more the question. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I think we're, we're on a little bit of a time crunch here. Are, are, <laughs> are, 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 aren't we? Uh, slightly. Uh, it is Father's Day. My mom is supposed to come pick me up for Father's Day activities. Uh, we had some technical issues and we started recording a little late today. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I say we kind of wrap things up right there um, and then we can do uh, our bingo check in real quick here. Mm -hmm. uh, let me pull this up on screen. We like to play bingo with all sorts of different like movie and entertainment tropes. 
um, all that good stuff. As as the year continues, mm-hmm. it gets harder and harder to fill out some of these squares. So this might be a quick one here. Um, yeah. Because I don't think we have any kind of like diary entry. No. Um, no one was really arted to, to death. There's no cat and mouse <laughs> game here. Um, the sex scene in this was not set to music in the way that I imagine. I, I go back to that scene in Watchmen uh yes. where they, they where it's like <laughs> we're like the 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 sexual acts are like tied to like the tempo and the progression of the song when the song yeah. hits a crescendo you climax <laughs> etc exactly uh, but so i do want to say i don't think just I have my last couple anything. will you look at that my last couple bits about the watermelon woman uh sure. i liked the cutaways to just like cheryl and her friends dancing this sort of yes. uh, plotless moments of just levity and just just socialization among these characters. I really liked. I like her flirtation joy. with. Yes, yes. Yeah. There's there's a lot of happy moments in here. You know, even when the characters are struggling, it doesn't feel like it weighs uh, the movie down that much. I, her flirtation with Diana is fun to watch. That's compelling. Mm-hmm. You do get a, a, a very sincere uh, sex scene i always have difficulty describing sex scenes (laughs) i feel like it's it's way too perverse of a statement to say that was a compelling sex scene but i I don't know how else to describe it well it's it's also not your typical sex scene in the sense like it's a it's a man and a woman and it lasts for like 30 seconds and then they just it's long all over it is a little bit longer it is it's it it seems to be more focused on foreplay which is typically yeah. not what, ha- what yeah. happens in hollywood sex scenes they just get right to it going in dry and then it's over <laughs> in 30 seconds and you're just like that's not how it works um it, it, but yeah like i i like that there you're, you're right there is a sincerity to that there is mm-hmm. a a realism to it that i, I think is really nice um Mm. So yeah, good stuff with that. Um, I, I I don't think we had much of an update on Bingo. Do do you want to get no. straight into recommendations? If people enjoy this, what else might they like? Ah, uh, yeah. We I I have a few did, ready to, 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 to yeah to go, go for it. To go. Um, yeah. So one that I wanted to re- recommend is a comic book. It's a graphic novel. Uh. Um, I've, I've recommended this once or twice before, before for a number of different reasons. Uh, this is a graphic novel by uh, Ram V and Anand RK, I believe, is the artist um, on 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 this book. Uh, but it's called Blue and Green. Mm. And it is it's just a standalone graphic novel. You can read this. I picked this up because I've been really enjoying Ram V's work uh, as of of late. He He's making some fantastic stuff. Um, but this is kind of a horror story um, oh. about a a guy that is haunted uh, by the, the the pursuit of creative genius. Uh, if 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 that makes sense, like the high level stuff, uh, the official description says a 
dark and haunting portrayal of a young musician's pursuit of creative genius, the monstrous nature of which threatens to consume him as it did his predecessor half a century ago. Um, and, so, and so, yeah, he I, I think he is a musician that's back in town for I don't remember if it was a death in the family or a de 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 death of his uh, like mentor, his like musical mentor. Um, and he's he's in town for that and gets haunted by this one record trying to find this one particular uh, like jazz musician that was active in the 60s. Uh, and so he is oh. on this search to kind of find him and research him. And he's g -g going to all of these clubs in New York being like, hey, do you know who this guy was? Do you, do you remember him performing here? I think he hadn't like I have this one picture of him and it's at this club. Do you remember who he was? And there's a similar kind of trying to research this artist that is hard to track down, hard to nail down. And while this, while the watermelon woman is maybe a little more successful and, and like we said, joyous and uh, exciting in that way, this is a much darker take on that. And it, it, it has this haunting nature to it. Um, but I, I really liked that book. I would recommend that for sure. Nice. I think you I forgot the title, but I think you have told me about that before. That's blue cool. in green, blue in green. Okay. It's, it's a reference to all of those like blue note jazz records and, oh, and, and stuff. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then another one uh, that we covered earlier this year. Let me see if I can look up what episode we did this on. Um, uh Oh God! Why am I now blanking on the name when I need to look it up? Let me go Is back this the and look at uh, No, I was not going to say the handmaiden. I was going to say uh, Angeline. Um, oh yeah, I, I Angeline is a fascinating show that came out on uh, Peacock um, within the past year or so. Just five episodes, a limited series focusing on uh, the real life person angeline uh but this this whole series is kind of a i it's hard to say fictionalization it it is partly a fictionalization partly based on on fact and stuff like that it it is a look at this woman's life it's kind of part document documentary part like recreations it's it's very meta and as you learn more about the character you 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 kind of start to question some of the things that have been told to you in this series and in the document uh in i, I keep I, I i don't know why i keep saying that word weird today on the podcast the documentary <laughs> sequences you, you start to learn that she is very much a person that wants to be in control of her own narrative. And so some of the things that you see it maybe aren't as true as they were presented. Um, but yeah, it, it has that mix of like, here's stuff that's happening in real life. Here's stuff that's, that is a documentary, but wait, maybe it wasn't like that. So maybe let's go back and re change things. It's just an, an interesting look at, 
a person, a celebrity who was uh, in the, 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 this case, like after fame and recognition mm-hmm. and uh, just the 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 story that their life went through, the ups and d- 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 downs, the potential sadness and loneliness, as well as the successes uh, that that happened around around her, um, I think is an, an interesting way to look at that. I think mm-hmm. you might enjoy that one. Yeah, yeah, Angeline is is fascinating. I think if you were into the research into a mysterious uh the entertainment yeah. figure angeline is a good story to go to for that yeah we covered that uh, here I... on the review show on episode 246 uh so if you want to go back uh we covered that earlier this year mm-hmm. so yeah i just wanted to briefly mention uh another piece of the black film history i was lucky enough to see in the past year my i've got older parents they watch a lot of tcm and that exposes mm-hmm. me to a lot of older movies i wasn't familiar with yeah uh, and i wanted to mention stormy weather this is a 1943 american musical film uh the film is starring lena horn bill bojangles robinson and cab calloway the film is one of two hollywood musicals with an african-american cast released in 1943 oh, cool. It is a primary showcase of some of the leading African-American performers of the day during an era when African-American actors and singers rarely appeared in lead roles in mainstream Hollywood productions. And it's from Wikipedia. It's just a big, fun musical with an all black cast. And I wasn't aware specifically of these films existing at that time. And just a nice look it into a history i wasn't super aware of uh and, and, and it was a f- both fun just in terms of the bombastic song yeah. and dance numbers there's all sorts of styles and, and and moods going on here there's sad ballads there's these big tap dancing numbers uh just nice to learn about i i appreciated the time i spent uh watching stormy weather on tcm that's cool good stuff good stuff yeah um yeah, I think that's kind of all the recommendations I have uh, right now. So go check those out. We hope you enjoyed The Watermelon Woman as well. Um, but yeah, Melissa, next week, what are we yes. up to here on the podcast? Next week, we are continuing our ongoing monthly series. We talk about something new every week here on the Whatnots Review Show, except for the last weekend of every month. As we record it, we follow one story all the way through to its conclusion. So last month we talked about season two of The Good Place. And this month we are continuing on with season three. That is what next week's episode is going to be. But I do have pitches for what we are going to discuss uh, two weeks from now. Perfect. This will be the first weekend of July. And last year, you and I had the realization we've never talked about Nicolas Cage. Why have we missed Nicolas Cage? And last exactly. year for the 4th of July weekend, I'm like, Kyle, there is only one choice. I decree it. We're watching National Treasure and National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets. <laughs> and we are making this a new tradition. First week of July, Nicolas Cage is here. Yep. And so I have three Nicolas Cage movies for you. Get ready for a cage match. My theme this year is The Familiar Cage. Nicolas Cage movies featuring 
themes and motifs that echo uh, popular review show topics you and I have covered in the past. Okay, cool. Pitch number one. We watched all the Fast and Furious movies earlier this year, so it seemed only right to pitch Drive Angry. Interesting. There you go. (laughs) This is a 2011 movie. Thrown into hell for his crimes, brutal felon John Milton escapes from the fiery pit after cultists murder his daughter and take her baby. Intent on rescuing the child, Milton joins forces with a waitress who gives him her ex-lover's fire-red muscle car. In it, the two pursue the cult leader who plans to sacrifice the infant and unleash hell on Earth. However, the hunters become the hunted when Satan sends his merciless henchmen to drag Milton back. To hell. Interesting. I've <laughs> never heard of this one. I I heard about it on an episode of How Did This Get Made once years ago. Oh man. Pitch number two. We are fans of time travel stories here on the review uh, show. Yes. We talked about all of Dark, for instance. One time we watched Primer, many others. So pitch number two is the 1986 movie, Peggy Sue Got Married. Peggy Sue Bodell attends her 25-year high school reunion after separating from her cheating husband, Charlie, the Nicolas Cage. She regrets the decisions she's made in her life, such as getting pregnant by Charlie in high school. When she faints at the reunion, she awakens in 1960. Given the chance to relive her life, she changes many things. However, some choices are more complicated as she begins to see young Charlie's charm and true feelings. Sort of an atypical take, not a sci-fi take on time travel, but more of a... More like a It's ins- a Wonderful Life t- yeah. take on time right, travel. Right, yeah. sort of if magically, if you in your own mind, soul and timeline went back into your past, what are you changing for yourself? I gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I I Google searched this because this is also one I I I I'm I don't have Nick Cage's filmography committed to memory. Uh, but <laughs> he doesn't certain, either. I don't ones, think so. <laughs> but there there's like I you're 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 two for two on naming ones I've never heard of. Um, huh. So I I because I also have a story. I, I don't know if it's much of a story. There was one time I, I was on an airplane and I was watching someone else watching a movie and it, Nick Cage was in that movie, but I've never been able to figure out what movie they were watching. And so huh. you like like are now Nick Cage tradition is also like my journey to find this movie. <laughs> Every year you get to it. cross one One movie off off the list list of what it could be (laughs) exactly exactly and i at first i can hear i was like this might be the one this might be it i don't know now um this is a pretty young cage this is one of his earliest roles i think yeah uh and pitch number three one thing we have loved in the past on the review show is double casting actors in multiple roles actors oh, playing against themselves we're big fans of friends uh one of my favorite review show memories is tilda swinton's dual role in suspiria blowing your mind 
That was great. I had no idea. I watched the whole thing. Did no came on the <laughs> podcast and you let me know. <sighs> Mind blown. It was so, great. So pitch number three is the 2002 movie Adaptation. Nicolas Cage is Charlie Kaufman, a confused L.A. screenwriter overwhelmed by feelings of inadequacy, sexual frustration, self-loathing, and by the screenwriting ambitions of his freeloading twin brother, Donald, also Nicolas Cage. Cage plays both men and a set of twins. While While struggling to adapt The Orchid Thief by Susan Orlean, Kaufman's life spins from pathetic to bizarre. The lives of Kaufman, Orlean's book, become strangely intertwined as one search for passion collides with the others. This movie, I've never seen any of these movies, but this one has been on my to-watch list for 20 years now. I saw, like, Ebert and Roper at the movies talking about adaptation. I was fascinated by it. I've never gotten around to watching it. I think since we started this show, I had it in my back pocket as... One of these days, I'm going to pitch Kyle adaptation. I really want to watch this. Um, And you may recognize the name Charlie Kaufman from films Mm -hmm. such as Being John Malkovich. Uh, I'm thinking of ending things, infamously bizarre films. Uh, So that's what we are in for here. I have to say I loved I'm thinking of ending things. That movie was truly bizarre in like a way that speaks to me as an art kid incredible mm-hmm. um <laughs> i man so these are to, great ones to recap to recap yes, pitch number one drive angry that one is on max pitch number two peggy sue got married and number three adaptation those two uh i did not immediately find streaming they are you know a four dollar rental somewhere or we've got two weeks until we have to talk about it check out your local library exactly um man these are great uh but for in in honor of our very own national treasure nicholas cage i think we have to go with the most cage uh and do adaptation (laughs) yes two cages yes please why not i think this sounds amazing (laughs) also upon googling this movie is great tilda swinton is in this movie I believe oh, she may man. only be the one Tilda Swinton, but she's <laughs> the, in it. The Tilda single. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, I, I, I say we watch Adaption in two weeks Good. time. Ad- so. Adaptation. Adaptation. Not adaption. Adaptation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, good stuff. Uh, so, yeah, once again, just a reminder next week, season three of The Good Place is what we will be checking out. Um, so go go continue watching that show and come back next week to hear us talk about it. That's about it for today's podcast. So Melissa, where can the people find you on the internet? You can listen to my... Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at WilkyWit, W-I-L-K-Y-W-I-T. You can listen to my other podcast. I've done a show with my brother Jams called Saturday Morning Obscurities, a show about weird old kid shows you feel like only you remember. Uh, we haven't been active in a couple months. We've both been busy, but we've got a good amount of back episodes you can listen to. And last week, uh, mm-hmm. last year, we did do a pair of Pride episodes, including 
my uh my pick was a couple episodes of the anime revolutionary girl utena which Good is one. about a girl who aspires to be a prince and she does a heroic act and is then given uh, a bride in exchange and she's like oh hold on i just want to do princely things what do you mean i have to marry this lady? <laughs> it's it's a an in interesting queer story and just weird in general what a surreal story what is, what odd vibes a great one it is kind of the uh the and it always feels weird to say female female centric uh e- equivalent of like neon genesis evangelion it is it, they go sure. hand in hand it's a good one to punch uh or well if if you want more of the like existentialism that is neon genesis evangelion um that it goes hand in hand there uh but yeah uh you guys can find me at yo kyle springer on twitter uh and if you would like to stay up to date with all of the stuff that we do here at the whatnots we are at the whatnots on twitter so please go like share and subscribe that would help us out a ton you are watching this on YouTube. We have a few more videos right over there. I might go put the Angeline one up there since that was mm-hmm. a recent one and one we recommended. Go check that out. Uh, but yeah, um, thanks for watching us this week. We will see you later. Bye. Bye.